Are you a woman, person of color, or a member of some other historically marginalized community who's sick and tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you? If you're ready to surround yourself with people who think big and you want to get inspired by women who are bold enough to write their own rules, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast, where we spotlight powerhouse women who got tired of waiting for someone to give them a seat at the table, so they built their own. This is an inclusive space where you can come to listen, get inspired, and make some new connections to help you take that next step into living your best life. I'm your host, Nakia Gray. Welcome to the show. Okay, today we have a very special guest. I say this about everyone, but really, I really, really mean it about this person. (laughs) This is one of my favorite clients, Brittany Horn. Brittany is a self-care advocate. First of all, I absolutely love that. The puzzle queen and a builder at heart. Brittany is on a mission to change the way Black women view puzzles. In 2021, through inspiration, frustration, and experience managing her own mental health, Brittany created her puzzle company, Revel Wellness Company, to provide Black women with a luxe self-care experience through dedicated quiet time and mindfulness products. After graduating from Drexel University with a Bachelor of Arts Science in Design and Merchandising, the Maryland native, hey, Maryland, has struggled to find her place in the workforce. Much like her experience and activities during her childhood, Brittany was willing to try new things to see what would fit and help her find the joy in her experiences. Following a year in Paris, France, working as an au pair, Brittany jumped at the opportunity to get back into retail and merchandising. But after an unfortunate layoff, she switched gears, goals, and locations to use her skills at a bigger company and work to climb the corporate ladder. Now, Brittany, I'm going to stop it right there because the rest of your story needs to be told by you and not by me. So I want to just... First, thank you so much for being a guest on the Build Your Own Table podcast. You are truly the definition of a woman (laughs) who has built her own table. Take us from, you know, your au pair job. Take us from there. What did you do next? Well, first, actually, what made you want to be an au pair? Wow, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing was the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do (laughs) with my life at the time. I was graduating from college and I was just in a weird place where I was like, I don't want to go back home, but I don't know where I want to, you know, start my career. At the time, I didn't have a job. Like, I was a student full-time. So I didn't have, like, a full-time job. So I knew I was either going to have to find a full-time job that I could, you know, sustain living on my own in Philly just right after college, or I'd have to go back home, which at the time, my parents had moved from Maryland to Texas. And I didn't like it. <laughs> so, no, you know, Texans out there, but they moved to San Antonio like while I was in my sophomore year of college. And it just didn't feel like home. And I just didn't want to be with my parents. And so I actually had a friend of mine who went to school with me, but her dad's job ended up moving him to Paris and she moved with him. And so she had come back to school to visit people. And she just said to me, girl, why don't you just be an au pair? And I said, oh, what, really? Like, she's like, yeah, I don't want any people over there who are just, you know, babysitting these kids and they just living in France. And I'm like, all right. So it was one of those things where I didn't think it would actually happen. I kind of just said to myself, like, let me set up my profile. Cause it was kind of like a care.com website where you set up your profile, you, you know, talk about your credentials and then a family, you can either reach out to families to, you know, be an au pair with them or they can reach out to you. 
And I kind of said to myself, okay, if I can find a black family who actually wants me to be <laughs> their au pair, like, why not? I'll give it a shot. And I, I kid you not, like, I submitted my application like one afternoon. And then the next morning, I had a message from a family who wanted me to come be their I au pair. I think that's so amazing. So you got <laughs> to just pick your little college graduate self up yep. and go and live in Paris rent free. Yep. Yep. I love Sold it. Sold all my stuff and just went and got my visa and I was off. <laughs> How long did you stay with that family? About a year, almost a year. Wow. That's so amazing. Okay. So what happens next? What is your next job from there? So when I came back, it was really just like job hopping. So I was working in retail. I worked at a couple of different retail jobs. I was working as an assistant for some other jobs. I did temp, like I was temping. So I was really just trying to find my footing. It just so happened a friend of mine from back home was looking for a roommate. So everything just kind of like timed out in the place. So like I came, I was staying with her, like she had been temping. So she introduced me to the temping agency. And so that's kind of what I was doing until someone from college, actually, someone who I wasn't even super close to, we were in the same major. So we had a lot of the same classes together. She reached out to me and said, hey, you looking for a job? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> so it just so happened that she was working. I don't know if, if anyone's familiar with Joseph Bay Bank, the men's clothing company. She was working at their corporate office in Maryland and she was getting promoted into a new role. And she reached out to me saying if I would want the role she was leaving. And I said, yeah, definitely. Because at the time, you know, I was working two or three jobs. Like I was looking for a stable nine to five, basically. And I was looking for a way to enter corporate retail. And this was right in your major. You had gone to school for this. And so, yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Fun fact, my first job, I was in, I don't know if we've ever talked about that. I was in fashion and retail. I worked in the buying office for a major department, which is why I know Joseph A. Bank, because they were in Maryland and I was in the D.C. area. We were in Northern Virginia. And so there were people that would go back and either come there from where I worked or whatever. When I read in your bio, and I want you to talk about this, toxic (laughs) work environment. I totally related to that. So tell us about your experience working there. Yeah, so it was my first kind of venture into, I'll just say corporate America. Because, you know, at the time I had just been bouncing around different retail jobs, part-time jobs, and never really had the corporate experience. And so it was all just new to me. I think when I first started, I was just super excited that I had a steady nine to five. Like I come in, I clock in, I do my job and I clock out. But very soon after I got there, you start to pick up on little things in terms of like, oh, like certain people are getting, you know, praise for staying at work really late. Or, you know, you see some people who are, you know, you have certain managers who are very hard on their teams and like requiring them to do all this extra stuff at the last minute or have all these changes or just there's just an aura of stress, you know, with different teams. And so just kind of seeing like, oh, like this person, they got to move up, you know, like what they do to get a promotion. Like my mind just started getting filled with like, oh, like there's something I'm supposed to be doing. Like there's just a sense of I need to be fitting into some kind of mold in order to get ahead. And so I think that's when I started realizing like, okay, people only are getting moved up when people are leaving the company. (laughs) It's not like people are just, you know, doing a good job and then they get a promotion. No, it's like, oh, So-and-so just quit. So now this person is going to get promoted into their role and then all this extra work all of a sudden and no guidance because that was the leader in that role. 
So that's kind of like the trickle effect of what I was noticing. But I still, at the same time, wanted to be a part of it because that was just like the culture there. We've been conditioned that way though, right? Like it's actually kind of unfortunate. I have talked to other people in other countries and other countries don't do that. Like in America, there is this toxic work your fingers to the bone. If you ain't working, you're nobody. Like hustle, hustle, hustle. Like we feed off that energy of, oh my God, I got so much to do. I worked 60 hours. Well, I worked 70. I mean, you know, it's like, why? Where does that come from? That we have to work so hard. You go other places, they don't work that hard. Right. (laughs) They They do not. Yes, yeah. I think you said it, like we're conditioned. Like, yeah. And I don't think I even realized just how bad it was until I think last year where it's like, you really are like, because I heard of like the corporate rat race and, you know, stuff like that. And I never really understood what that meant. But I think I realized like, oh, you're constantly chasing, like they're constantly dangling a piece of cheese in front of you to say, hey, like if you work harder, like you'll get this promotion or like if you do all this extra stuff, like you'll get some kind of praise for it. And I just kind of sat back and I was like, for what? You know, I kind of just had a light bulb moment where I'm like, why am I trying to prove myself this much to these people? And then, you know, especially when it seems like the cheese or the carrot just keeps getting dangled further and further away from me. And I think the moment I realized where it was like, okay, I'm doing my job and I'm doing my job well, but that's still not enough. You know, you want me essentially to do the role that I want to get promoted into, but getting paid for the role that I'm currently at (laughs) that doesn't include. That's where they get you. (laughs) That's where they get you. (laughs) Yes. They constantly want you to do more than what the role requires, but paying you for what the role requires. And then when you finally get promoted into the other role, it's the same thing. Now they're dumping even more stuff onto you and they're saying, hey, like do all this extra stuff because you've seen you can do more. Now let's see if you can do even more. (laughs) Right. And then we'll give you another promotion. So, you know, it was just a cycle that I just was like, this is too much. I don't like this. (laughs) So what made you say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? I was a combination of things. I think when I was younger, or I guess like, Shortly after college, I just started to kind of get a sense of, oh, it would be interesting to kind of have a business. Like I had seen, you know, social media was coming bigger. I was seeing other people doing it. And I was like, oh, like, I wonder, you know, it's just kind of like a little seed in my head. And I think it wasn't until I met one of my close friends at one of those previous jobs, she had a business. And, you know, we were both one of the few Black women, like, in that company And I just noticed it just happened randomly. She kind of came into one of our conference rooms and she dropped off a little shopping bag to one of our coworkers. And I looked and I was like, I was being nosy. I'm like, what is that? And I saw them take out like this really neatly wrapped headscarf and it had like a little sticker logo on it. And I said, that looks really nice. I wonder, did she go shopping for her? Like, I was just confused. Like, what is happening? (laughs) So I ended up texting her. I was like, hey, like, what is that? Did you get that for her? She's like, oh yeah, that's for my business. I make head wraps. And I was like, oh my God. So you did this. You, she's like, yeah, I, I picked the fabric, sew it up. Like I packaged it. I came up with the design. I said, that's amazing. So I think being able to see someone who looks like me, has a similar background as me, working at the same company as me, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, like, okay, I can do this. You know, because yeah. I was able to see someone else that I related so much to, you know, be able to do it as well. And so from there, you know, just from talking to her, she gave me a lot of advice. She kind of took me in and I could see her process and some of the things she was dealing with. And it just made me feel like it was 
a possibility rather than just kind of like a dream. Right. And I talk about that a lot because I think, honestly, that really is what has allowed me to like let go of some of the hurt that I had Mm. from like previous jobs and when I worked, because the fact of the matter is that representation just matters so much. And sometimes I know people say things like, why do you have to make everything about race? Because it is. It's the reality, right? And so when I started to look through the lens of the people that I worked for, they could not make a way for me because they don't see me. (laughs) You know, they can't relate. When we see ourselves, you know, and I see that now, like you should see how eager I am when I meet, you know, a young Black law student. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I got to help her because I (laughs) see me. I didn't have anyone in my, I did not know a lawyer. I did not know one lawyer before I went to law school. And so seeing that representation, there is that. Do you remember when Michelle Obama's portrait was revealed at Mm -hmm. the National Portrait Gallery and there was that little girl that was just like every Black woman could relate to that? Because when we see that, it just, it means so much. So I'm so glad that you were able to see that being a business owner is not out of reach, right? She's coming to work, clocking in just like you. Just like me. And she's just created like something. Yep. So talk to us about, you know, when I first met you and we were beginning the trademarking journey, which I'm so happy to say we are finally almost there. Oh <laughs> I was just so impressed and intrigued by your business model. And even the fact that you chose puzzles. So talk mm-hmm. to us, tell us how you even got started with creating these puzzles. Yeah. So it ties back to my experience working in corporate America. I think I had reached a point where I was burned out and I was coming to all these realizations that it's kind of like my world was flipped upside down, where I had been striving for so long to kind of reach a certain level in my career, reach a certain salary, you know, work for certain companies. And I did all of that. And I had checked all these boxes that I had created for myself. And I was miserable. I was, you know, so wrapped up in work, could not enjoy life. You know what I mean? Like I was just so focused, was afraid to like go for a walk during the day. Cause I'm like, wait, what if someone pings me or what if someone needs something? What if something goes wrong? Like I just completely was consumed by this job and I just was not happy. And so I just had reached the point where I'm like, I'm tired of this. I want to do something that will just kind of ground me and bring me back to earth. And so I had just been, of course, the pandemic was going on and just dealing with this new normal. On top of that, I had just moved to North Carolina. So there was a lot of change going on. And I was just kind of Googling like, oh, what are people doing now that we're stuck at home? You know, all this anxiety and things like that. And I just saw puzzles had popped up just through my searches. Yeah. And so I instantly kind of had a connection to it because my grandmother, I grew up doing puzzles with her as a kid. It was just something that she, like, for as long as I can remember, like, that's been something I associate with her. Like, since I was a young teen, she's been doing puzzles. And even to this day, she does puzzles. And so I think that kind of was like a, it bridged the gap for me in puzzles because it was like, oh, like, yeah. okay, well, I know someone who does it. Like, I have fond memories of it. Let me just try it. And so I just started looking for puzzles to do. And I noticed as I was searching for puzzles, I couldn't really find any that had artwork that spoke to me, you know, that I connected with in any kind of way. I didn't see any with people of color. I didn't see any with a particular style of artwork that matched my aesthetic. Because one of the things that I knew I wanted to do with the puzzle when I finished it was to hang it up as artwork in my home. 
because that was something, again, my grandmother taught me. And I just knew that after I put a lot of effort into something, I'm going to want to hang it up. So mm-hmm. I kind of settled on this one puzzle that I found that had, it was mostly like greenery. Like it was like someone's backyard with a lot of plants. And then there was like a vaguely brown figure in the background. I said, okay, this will work. And so I get it and I'm all excited. I open it up. I dump out all the pieces. And I was immediately overwhelmed (laughs) because (laughs) it was a 500 piece puzzle. And in my head, I just thought, oh, you know, I've done these before. This would be easy. But having to like sit down and look at all these pieces and figure out like, what am I going to do? Like, I was getting nervous. That's massive. Yeah. I'm getting anxiety just imagining 500 little puzzle pieces. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, but it really forced me to sit down and like think, okay, how am I going to attack this? Right. Like I'm a very strategic person. And so when I was looking at the pieces, I said, okay, let me tap back into my young brain. Like, how would I go about doing this? And so things just started to come back to me like, oh, okay, take out the edge pieces first. Like start with just like the edges, right? Cause that's like a smaller amount of pieces to deal with. You're just going through, you're searching for them and then you put them together. All right, cool. Now what? All right, I'm looking at the artwork. How can I separate the pieces based on like the colors? Like, okay, like, I can right. tell like all of this is the figure, the brown figure, like let me put those here. So, you know, that process of process of elimination, figuring out how I wanted to go about completing it it helped ground me. Like it forced me to sit down, focus on one thing. Like I would try to be on my phone and things like that, but like I wasn't getting anywhere on the puzzle when I would do that. And I think just because I shifted my focus on wanting to complete this task, it allowed everything else to kind of fall away. And so once I kind of pushed back my inclination to keep checking my phone, to keep doing this and that, I started to really relax and enjoy like seeing the fruits of my labor. So like being able to see, okay, like this technique is working. Like, oh, like physically seeing the pieces come together, you know what yeah. I mean? And seeing my hard work paying off. Like I just felt a level of joy and excitement that I hadn't felt in so long that I was hooked at that point. So, you know, when I finished that puzzle, I immediately framed it, you know, I like hung it up and it was just kind of like this moment of like, look what I did, like this moment of accomplishment and like being able to walk past it every day. So I just started to think to myself, you know, like this really helped me, you know, get through this thing that I'm going through. I can't be the only person is what popped in my head. I mean, I can't be the only person who's dealing with a stressful job, just stressful environment and needs something to kind of take them away from it all. And so that's just kind of what got my head turning, my wheels turning to think there's got to be a way to provide this for other women like myself, especially black women. That's kind of where it all came about with like the smaller piece counts, the artwork featuring Black women, the artwork featuring self-care, just as a means to try to offer a different wellness or self-care tool to Black women. I am interrupting today's show to invite you to join me at the Monetization Blueprint Mastermind, a one-day in-person mastermind in Washington, D.C. on December 28th, 2022. During the Monetization Blueprint, I am going to show you exactly what you need to do to create reliable recurring income in 2023 without worrying about the recession. I want you to join me to learn how you can package your education, your experience, and your expertise into valuable intellectual property that sets you on the path to generating wealth, even during these shaky economic times. Now, I know they're telling us not to spend our money, that a recession is coming, but here's what I know. The answer to getting through a recession is to take advantage of every opportunity to increase your revenue. 
During the monetization blueprint, I am going to cover three core areas that are directly tied to how much money you will make. This is not fluff. This is not theory. I'm going to give you clear and specific direction on what you need to do right now, plus everything you need to stop doing to set yourself up for a record-breaking revenue year. I want you to go to the link in the show notes to learn more and to save your seat. Now, back to the show. Here is what I loved when I met you and I really got to learn about your business. I love that you had this idea, but you didn't let it overwhelm you and you didn't think, okay, I have to be an artist. I have (laughs) to make puzzle pieces. I have to do all this. I really want you to share this with people because I think sometimes we get these great ideas and Mm -hmm. we, we don't think or we don't understand that part of our calling or part of our role in our business is completely to be the visionary and to have the vision and to be able to put people in place to help us carry that out. So I have got to have you talk about just your business model, your systems, your process, your team, how you commission the art and all of that. Because I just think that that's so genius. It's so genius. (laughs) So tell everyone, how do you go from the concept through shipping? Tell us the entire process. Okay. Well, so to give us a little background, because I think even when I first met you, you were saying you talked about this and I was telling you the whole reason I kind of went into this knowing that I didn't have to do it all. I actually came from my corporate experience. So after working at Joseph A. Bank, I kind of did a bunch of different like buying and merchandising roles, but then I landed in product marketing management. And as a product marketing manager, you are literally the visionary. Like you have to understand a customer need and a, and a product and kind of understand like what products are on the market. What do consumers think about these products? What do they need? What do they want? And then you have to lead different teams to bringing it to life. So you lead a team of engineers to actually building the product. You lead a team of designers to design the product. You lead marketing people to telling them what do people want? Like what are the key features we need to highlight? You work with retailers to kind of barter like pricing and discounts and things like that. So there's all these different pieces to the picture that you have to kind of like put together and you understand the final vision, but you have to kind of like help everyone in their, in their respective roles kind of lead you to that final point. So when it came to the puzzles, you know, I just knew like, I'm not an artist. (laughs) So honestly, it was kind of like, well, I can't do this <laughs> just by myself. <laughs> if I want to do this, I got to get somebody. So I think when I first started, I just looked on Fiverr because I just knew that there was a bunch of different like skill sets on Fiverr. So I just looked to see like artists and illustrators. And I just kind of looked to see who had images that I liked. And then I kind of, at the time, I had my own vision of what I wanted to be in the pictures themselves. Yeah. So I would reach out to different people and I would say, hey, like, can you create this type of artwork? You know, what's your process? And then they would give me, you know, their pricing, their process, their timing and all of that. And so from there, I also researched, you know, what are the different ways I could go about making a puzzle? Because there are a lot of different ways. And I think in my mind, I was looking for something that was low initial startup costs, because again, first business, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. I kind of went into it thinking like, I don't have all the answers, but I don't want to let that stop me from taking steps forward. So I kind of just made calculated risks to say, okay, I could go and get a loan and like order all these puzzles from overseas, but that A, takes a lot of startup costs and B, it locks me in to this image, this puzzle, this manufacturer right off the bat. 
And I don't really know, are people going to like it? Or is it going to sell? Like, what if I want to make changes? So I wanted to go about it in a way that gave me more flexibility to make changes. And creative control, right? You had the creative control over this, which is amazing. Right. So being able to kind of design my own like packaging or figuring out how I want to do packaging, figuring out what type of imagery I wanted to use, you know, just being able to just try things out and see how people responded. So that I think is kind of just how it all started. And from there, just kind of researching, like, what are other people doing? Like, what are the different sales channels? Like, I think when I first started, I was on Wix, you know, and Etsy. And then over time, I learned about Shopify, which, by the way, people, way, way better. Yes. (laughs) I think I told you about Shopify. You might have. Yes. Several people told me, they're like, girl, what are you doing? I'm like, what? A whole other world. It really is. I didn't even know what I was missing, honestly, like until I I started on Shopify this year and I was like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) So yeah, so that's kind of, that I guess sums it up. So next you take this business to another level because then you start, because at the time, so we're in the pandemic, people are doing puzzles, people are at home, we need something to do. And I think it was just so great that all of us just tapped into this creative side of us that we didn't even, probably wouldn't even have found had we not been stuck in the house, right? Right. But then you decide to take this business and to create these events and to build community and camaraderie and just build a whole experience. So talk to me about, What made you do that? And how has that been an addition or an additional arm to your business? Sure. So I think it came from my own experience in terms of when I would puzzle on my own, I enjoyed, you know, getting like a snack or getting like some wine or my favorite drink to add to the experience. Because once I kind of got over that initial overwhelming sense trying to do it, once I kind of figured out my patterns or my structure, it was really fun for me, right? I would find like my favorite show to kind of binge that to kind of have in the background. You know, I had my setup, I had my snacks, I had my, my drinks and it was just really fun for me. Like, and I think at the time too, I would have Zoom calls with my friends sometimes. So we would like kind of all just be talking, like I'm like doing a puzzle in the background. Like I just kind of, these same friends actually, we used to do paint and sips together. And so I just kind of thought to myself, like, why not do a puzzle and sip? Like it's a similar thing. It's just instead yeah. of doing painting, you're doing a puzzle. And even for me, like when I had more recently done painting tips, those actually became stressful for me because I felt like the instructors would go so fast and I was so worried <laughs> about messing up the picture that right. it became less fun and more like, oh my God, how is this going to turn out? But what I love about a puzzle is it's you're going into it with an achievable goal. You really can't mess it up. Like there's no way to mess it up. You can either just not do it, you know? or you can do it in time. So I like the idea of having something that you know, you know exactly what it's going to look like when it's done. It's not going to come out, you know, disfigured or anything like that. Like yeah. it's going to come out how it's to come out. And so I said, why not just add some drinks and some food to go along with it? So I had reached out to a local Black woman-owned winery here near Charlotte, and she loved the idea. And so that's kind of how that got started with the Puzzle and Sips. The collaboration of two Black women. I love it. I love it. Because I actually purchased, now I love this. I definitely will make sure that we give people a link. Are you still doing the custom puzzles? So yes, we do the custom puzzles and we were selling puzzle and sip kits. Because I know you ordered a couple of those. We're actually 
we're sold out of the puzzle and sip kits right now, but we do still do custom puzzles. So what is your official start date of this business? Because this is pretty new. So I started, and I didn't even mention this. So I started in 2021 under a different name. So under Shades of Joy. And that was when, again, I was like, I don't know what I want this to be just yet, but I don't want to let that stop me from just taking a step forward. So I didn't have everything figured out. I didn't have my messaging or everything I wanted to do. But I started as Shades of Joy and I offered, you know, all different kinds of puzzles featuring just people of color. So I had kids puzzles, I had more family oriented puzzles, and then I had puzzles that were more geared towards just black women or women of color. And so after about a year of doing that business, that was when I really started to hone in on what I wanted to focus on and bringing more of like my passion and my interest into it and realizing that I really did want to focus on black women. There are plenty of family-oriented puzzle companies. There's also a lot of children puzzle companies out there, but I didn't really see any puzzle companies that focus on the well-being of Black women. And so that's when I approached you saying, hey, like I want to take this to the next level. I want to grow this. I want to do puzzles for Black women. And I want to also grow this into a more wellness, overall wellness brand offering multiple products outside of puzzles as well. And that only recently started this year in 2022. Wow. So, okay, so you've got a year and some change under your belt. What would you say has been your biggest challenge? What did you not think would be a challenge, but it has shown up in being an entrepreneur? I think it's one of those things where I knew it would be a challenge, but I guess I didn't know how much it would be a challenge. I'll say two things. Number one is just like the mental toll being a business owner can bring you know, there's just so much you have to, this is why I say being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. It's because there's so many challenges you have to deal with on a daily basis. And then me, especially because I make my products, like there are days where I'm just exhausted, but like I have orders that have to go out and I'm the only one who can make them. (laughs) So it's like, you have to dig deep to just really get things done on top of trying to grow the brand, like trying out different strategies on how to, you know, improve your marketing or, you know, your reach to different customers and just dealing with different partners and things not going as you planned or, you know, just all these different variables that you can't control. That just takes a huge mental toll. And then I think the second thing is wanting so badly to do things right, but not knowing how to do it. The fact that I know that I can't do it all on my own, but I also don't know who to go to or how to get it all done is extremely frustrating because like, you know, you have to have a passion for what it is you're doing. And I so badly want to make it even bigger than what it is. And it's hard when you just don't know, like there's no one holding your hand (laughs) saying, Hey, this is exactly what you need to do. This is how you need to go about it. This is what you need to change. Like it's just all trial and error. So yeah, I'll say those are probably the two biggest struggles that I've had. And I think that's why it's so important as entrepreneurs for us to have community, right? Mm-hmm. To be in community with other women who've done what you're what you're trying to do, who can tell you, you know, I know for myself, I have for years always been in some type of coaching community or community of other women entrepreneurs, because at the time when you're going through it, you really feel like this is crazy. I'm not gonna make it. Like this business is going, it's done. I'm not gonna make it, right? But you need someone who can say, you know what? I was there. Yep. I went through that same thing. Here's how I overcame and look where I am now. So that you can see that, okay, this is not gonna do me in. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to jail. I'm not gonna be homeless. <laughs> you know, I love that so much of your story 
almost everything that you've talked about today, you can circle it back and connect it to your corporate experience. And so I want to send that message to anyone. There is someone listening to this that feels like right now you are in a job that you absolutely hate. We have been there. Brittany has been there. I have been there. What I will tell you is that make the best of that experience. Even if every day you are taking a lesson in, here's how not to run a business. <laughs> here's what I'm not going to do when I have people working for me, right? Because there's so much, there's so much that I have learned. It, what, every day was not a glorious day at all, but there is so much. I do not believe that I would have the thick skin, the fight, what you talked about in terms of you being able to dig deep and get those orders out. That was birthed in you, honey. That was birthed in you working for someone else. <laughs> yep. We right? just got to get that deadline. Yep. Well, you had to get that deadline. Those days that you felt like you couldn't go take a walk because you had work to do, that hustle, that grind, you can call on it when you need to, right? And I think that that is, you know, the best advice I could give to someone who your day has not come yet. You haven't figured it all out, but there is something to be that you can glean from that experience in corporate, because it really does teach you. There's so many parallels between that and being an entrepreneur. I also think that, you know, the other thing that I would say, and I hope that people take as a lesson from what you said, is that you don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. You don't need to know what your next 10 steps are. Take the first one. And for some of us, and for you, that was just researching and buying your own puzzle. <laughs> Just research and see what's out there. That's the advice that I would give to someone who is thinking about, you know, how do I go from where I am to where it is that I'm trying to go? I know that some people may say there's a such thing as an overnight success. I personally do not believe in it. I believe that we are all on a journey and that there's a process and you have to trust that process. But what would you say to someone who is, you know, think of Brittany a couple of years ago in this toxic work environment she knows inside that her purpose in this world is to bring something different. What would you say to her about what her first step should be? I would say the first step, well, honestly, the first step is to write it down. Because I know a lot of times it can be really easy to, in your head, talk yourself in and out of something super quickly. It's like it's in, it's gone. You think yes. about it, up, think about something else. You can distract yourself with so many things to where it's like, ah, you know, I'll get back to this later. And you just yes. don't get back to it. But when you write it down, it almost kind of like just, you know, makes it real, you know? So I would say if you have an idea, even if you don't have a full thought, you just have a piece of an idea, write it down and then come back to it. You know, think about it, come back yes. to it. If you have friends that you trust. If you have family that you trust, just kind of Think it out loud. See, you know, can people help you kind of bring that idea even more to life? You know, you may have some people who may not agree with it or who disagree with it, but it's also good, you know, to hear other people's thoughts. If yes. someone doesn't like it, it doesn't mean you stop. It just means you say, okay, I hear you. And you just kind of take that into consideration as you continue to build it out. And I think for me, another thing that helped me to just kind of take that step, I had a really huge fear of failure. A lot of times it kept me from even trying a lot of different things. It's like, well, if I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this successfully, I don't even want to try it. I don't want to give myself that room for error. 
And that same friend that I mentioned who I saw, you know, with her business, she said to me, you know, like, well, what, why are you afraid of failure? Like, what, what does failure mean to you? And, and I said, well, it just means like, I didn't succeed. She's like, no, but like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to not succeed? And I said, well, what if no one buys my product? And she said, okay, what yeah. if no one buys your product? And I said, well, then I failed. And she said, did you fail? Or did you just need to do something different? And I said, right. okay. Like, you know, she just, you know, <laughs> she, she forced me to kind of look at it as not like this big bad wolf, but like, as just like a thing, you know, like it's kind of like being afraid of the dark. It's like, there's nothing there. You know, you're just afraid of the unknown. But once you can kind of harness that fear and look at it logically and say, well, you know what, if no one buys it, that's still okay. I can still do like, for example, the, the equipment that I had to buy to make the puzzles, I could use that for something else. Like I right. could use that to make t-shirts. I could use that to make bags or I could just sell it. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to kind of pivot basically if things don't go the way that I initially anticipated, but that doesn't mean that you don't try. And so I think just understanding that, like, even if you fail, it's okay. You can try again. Like, right. And failure is not the end. It's just right. a part of the process. And that's such a good perspective because it doesn't stop there, right? I mean, once you're in business, we are making decisions every single day about marketing. You know, I had a meeting today with a marketing agency. There are so many different strategies. Do we hire this person? Do I hire that person? Do I need this? Can I afford it? What if I do this? It's a con. So you've got to get comfortable with making decisions and being okay if the decision that you made didn't necessarily turn out the way that you thought it was. That does not mean that you're a failure. That just means, oh, well, I know what not to do. So next time I'm going to do this differently. And just always be looking at it in that way. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that keeps a lot of people stuck and it keeps us from making a decision because we're so afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision. So, well, Brittany, this has been so great. I thank you so much for sharing your story. I want you to close with 2023. What are you most excited about? What can we expect to see with Revel in 2023? 2023, I am super excited and nervous about because... (laughs) I would love to use that as my like a really big growth period for me where a lot of the things that I have been manifesting since the beginning, you know, of this journey can hopefully finally come to life. You know, we talked about getting my trademark, you know, we talked about different products that I want to roll out. 2023 is the year to either roll them out or have the right people in place to help me roll them out. Yes. And so I'm very excited about, you know, just being able to take Rebels to the next level and build that team that's going to help me take it there. So you can look forward to just seeing more puzzles. I'll say more, not necessarily events, but I'll say resources to help women on their wellness journeys through 2023. Yay. Okay. So tell us where can we find you? I will make sure that we have links to all of your social media and to your website. But for those that are listening or perhaps driving and they can't click, tell us where can we find you? Yes, you can find us on socials at Revel Wellness Co. That's spelled R-V-L Wellness Co. That's on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest. And you can find us online at revelwellnessco.com. Yay! Well, thank you so much. I think that this was great. 
one thing I know is going to happen is we're going to get that trademark. Yes, <laughs> That's so going to happen for you. That brand <laughs> is going to be secured in 2023. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brittany. I so appreciate you joining us for the Build Your Own Table podcast. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to stay updated and connected with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.